Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. We do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers, and people in the industry, letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel. Today I'm here with MXM Tune. Hi! <laughs> Happy to be here. Yo, same. <laughs> so you're originally born in Oakland? Yep, yeah. yeah. That's where I'm born and raised. Yep, yeah, Bay Area kid. Mm-hmm. Are your parents from there as well? They aren't, actually. My mom grew up in the Bay Area. She's like San Jose, but my dad's kind of from all over the place. Oh. But he was born in Albuquerque. So oh. my family ended up in the Bay Area together, though. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. was one of your parents Chinese? or? Mm-hmm. My mom is Chinese, and my dad is white bread. Yeah. So but we're the same, but our parents <laughs> are swap. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I feel like you're one of the rare people I've met who's actually like half Chinese, half American here. Really? I haven't really met any. Yeah. Interesting. Have I you feel met like a lot? Bay Area has like a ton oh, of yeah. people. Here it's yeah. like long more Korean mm-hmm. or something yeah okay that makes sense yeah, yeah. I know yeah. we have like family friends who are like Japanese and European but yeah I don't know I feel like it's pretty common back in the Bay Area I had a ton of kids in my high school yeah. that were same mix as mm-hmm. I am yeah you know where mm-hmm. your like mom's extended family are from in China or is um, it like too distant pretty sure Taiwan but oh, okay. a lot of my family lives in Hong Kong right now yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where I grew up oh my god yeah. no way why did you come over here like three years ago oh my gosh yeah. wow for, is it for school or just for work for work okay, yeah got it. Okay. I, I want to be more in the US that makes sense oh my gosh <laughs> have you visited back there or you don't really are you I used kind of to go it's been a really long time yeah. it's been like seven years since I've been back to Hong Kong the last time I went to Hong Kong was 2012 yeah. And um, yeah, I haven't I haven't been back since. Yeah. I would hopefully like to go back. Yeah. But right now I don't know if I should. So how big was like the your Chinese upbringing? Like, did your mom cook a lot of Chinese food or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My family was like very culturally Chinese. Even yeah. my dad, who's you know Scottish German, assimilated really like fast to Chinese yeah. culture, and like he now is just like kind of generally Asian, like culture and stuff was something that I grew up with like my yeah. dad probably makes like pho on weekends or oh, he'll so make cool. like surf fire or something and yeah. my mom just kind of like has taught him how to do all those things yeah. so it, it was super prevalent mm-hmm. do you have a favorite Chinese food oh my god I don't know I feel like like this is so basic but mm-hmm. joke just like rice porridge oh, yeah. is just so, so good. good it's comfort food yeah. for me like at oh, any moment in time yeah it's so it. good oh yeah mm-hmm. especially when you're sick and you have that yeah for me, I, that, I would it. just like watch movies and stuff and my mom would be like do you need joke and I'd be yeah. like yes please <laughs> so I would eat that yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do your parents do um my parents are both educators so oh. my dad's a teacher and my mom now works in administration but she was an English teacher so I just grew up in a family of teachers and yeah. I thought I was gonna be one until all of a oh, sudden yeah? I wasn't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you think of your creative side from? Um, I think everyone in my family was pretty creative growing up, but like in different ways. I think my mom obviously was an English teacher and so writing was something that she always did and creative writing and then my dad um, is like a technology guy who really likes maker studio things yeah. where you're just like making projects with circuitry and stuff. And then my grandmas are both artists, and especially oh, wow. my Chinese one, who's actually really? a visual artist. Yeah, right? That's so rare. Isn't That's so that, cool. Yeah. It's so cool. I think that helps me do a creative field, having her already understand oh, yeah. what being an artist is like. But yeah, I, I'm like, you know, my grandpa is a, it's a hobby musicianist, and oh, like, wow. everybody has done something at least at some point in time that was yeah. creative. Yeah. <laughs> 
This is something that asks a lot of mixed people, um, mm -hmm. like including Eden actually, but did he have any identity issues growing up? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, even being in the Bay Area where my identity wasn't something that was super uncommon because mm -hmm. there was other mixed kids, it's still like being mixed is this really tough thing where maybe someone understands your experience, but no one ever fully understands yeah. your experience because everybody's slightly different. Like there's commonalities between I think a lot of people who grow up mixed race, but I mean, even for my own self, where I had kids that were also the same as I was, mm -hmm. everything varies so greatly between people's individual yeah. lives and everything. It was, it was tough. I think that you know the only kid that would fully understand what my upbringing and stuff was like was thankfully my brother. But mm. even then, like our skin tones are different, and so we oh, each yeah. had different experiences growing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how do you describe yourself back then growing up? Oh my god, I feel like I'm the same. Yeah. I, 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 I used to like, in terms of like racial identity, I described myself as Hapa. Mm -hmm. So I was just half white and half Asian and I liked the fact that there was a term for that encompassed all that oh, yeah. I was. Um, but I feel like now I kind of identify as just mixed race Asian American, like growing up so culturally Chinese really kind of just that's the most I, those part yeah. that I identify with the most. How about your um, personality? My personality at my core, I'm still the same person that I was, yeah. I think, growing up. I was thinking about this today. I was doing a photo shoot, and photo shoots are really weird because it's just weird to be in front of a camera, and it was like another one, not yeah. the one I did with you, <laughs> but it was another one, and I was like, at my core, I still feel like a 12-year-old awkward kid who's like just nervous about attention being placed on top mm. of her. So, I don't know. I think I'm just the same. Did you like school growing up? I really liked school growing yeah. up. I was definitely the kid that was like a good academic student. I did all the extracurriculars. I didn't do student council. That was the one thing I feel like I didn't do. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I really love school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Do you think your parents pushed you to study or did it come like from within? I think there was like outer pressures to study, but it was definitely driven by me. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it was like self-motivated. Yeah. Um, but my parents were always excited and proud of me when I did well. And I think that was what made me want to keep doing well was being like, oh yeah, my parents are, congratulating me for doing well in school, so I just should keep doing it this way. What are your favorite subjects? My favorite subjects in, subjects in school were actually science, oh, wow. specifically life science. Oh. I did not like chemistry. Chemistry was oh, boring. Um, <laughs> but I really, I took a lot of art classes in high mm. school and middle school, and architecture was probably my favorite class of all time that I took in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, good mixture of science and art and mm -hmm. all those things. What kind of music were your parents playing in the house when you were growing up? My parents played a lot of R&B and hip-hop oh, wow. growing up. Yeah, so That's like so totally cool. opposite, right? Yeah. You know? my, it would be like salt and Peppa, Tribe Called Quest, like wow. all these really classic R&B hip-hop artists. Yeah. So that was all that I listened to. Mm -hmm. um, I still listen to it because it's so nostalgic and it's like obviously, yeah. Do you remember who's the first artist that you found online? My first artist I found online, oh my god, I don't know actually, because I think I was like really enveloped in the YouTube space, oh. and I think the first like musician that I saw online was probably like Lindsey Sterling, who's a violinist, mm -hmm. um, but I was like, I don't know if I ever like actively searched yeah. for, for musicians in the internet sphere. Yeah. <laughs> and back then you were using GarageBand to make music, yeah. <laughs> like making sounds from your hair straightener. Oh, I know, exactly. <laughs> oh my god. I, I still use GarageBand on occasion because it's just easy to yeah, use, so but easy. it is funny. I just used a USB mic and GarageBand for a lot of my songs and 
Feelings Are Fatal was one of those, and now it has like 24 million streams, and I, I so wish I could go back and re-record yeah. it, because I'm like, I could have done it so much better, <laughs> but I had no idea. Yeah. And so, was the first instrument you picked up a piano, or what was it? My first instrument that I played was actually violin. Oh, okay. So like having a Chinese mom, she like yeah. made me f play a classical instrument, and so violin was like the first instrument I ever picked up. And then my teacher quit, so I had to think about what I wanted to do as my next instrument. My brother kept going with violin, and then I chose the cello. Oh. So, classical instruments before anything else. Yeah, and is that, you auditioned for cello, but ended up singing? Yeah, yeah. they're in my fifth grade band, they were playing Wonderwall by Oasis. And I was like, oh, I could play the cello part. And then the teacher was like, we don't actually need a cellist for this. Like, could you sing it instead? Like, I heard you're singing it at home with your dad. And I was like, yeah, I guess. And I ended up getting oh, a wow. spot in the band. Yeah. yeah. And then did all your classmates back then know you as a singer? Like, were you singing um, I, I don't think anyone thought of me as yeah. a singer. I feel like I was just the nerdy girl that played video games and, like, that was probably how a lot of my classmates thought of me. But I, maybe people started thinking of it when I was like later on in high school, but I, I definitely didn't view myself as one for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you started, well, you started writing music when you were 13 or how? Yeah, yeah, when I was 13. It was like an assignment in music class. And so I just, I did it because I had to. And then from then on, I did it because I liked doing yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But was it kind of like a secret that you kept to yourself that you really liked, like mm -hmm. songwriting and singing? Yeah, Yeah, I I don't even know if I recognized how much I liked songwriting and singing, even when I was doing it. But it wasn't something like, I wrote my dad a song for Father's Day, and like they knew <laughs> that I could write songs, and yeah. they, weren't, they weren't like very good. But when I started writing songs that were like emotionally more vulnerable, mm -hmm. I think that was when I started really feeling like I needed to hide it. And it was like an escape for me um, from my day-to-day -day life. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. What were they about initially? Um, a lot of the, the first song I ever wrote that I posted was about being single and lonely on Valentine's Day. <laughs> so it's, I've come a long way, but also not at all at the same time. <laughs> a lot of the songs later were like mental health focused and talking mm -hmm. about like my experiences with my friendships and relationship to like anxiety or depression. And those were songs that I was not ready to share with my parents at the time mm. that I was making them. So they just existed online for the public, but apparently didn't want to share them with my family. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when you were younger, you like really wanted to just be a YouTuber, right? Like, yeah, I wanted to be a YouTuber. I, I made like this joint YouTube channel with my friends when I was in middle school, and we like tried to do stuff like Vlogmas, where you like vlog every oh, single yeah. day. Oh yeah, so intense. It was so, it did not work out well at all, but yeah, that was my dream for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Who are you watching back then that made you want to oh my be God. a YouTuber? There was like this really specific group of British YouTubers that I feel like were like pop culture relevant. Like, yeah. Zoella, oh, Alfie yeah. Days, and like it was just like a friend group of people on YouTube, and yeah. I watched them constantly. Or like Joey Graceffo was another person mm -hmm. that I watched. So I feel like anybody and everybody, I just watch them all the time. And did your other friends like find those videos or like how many people started watching the ones back then? Oh, okay. I've since deleted all the videos yeah, that I made I when I was in middle school, but I didn't really share it in middle school that I was making videos unless it was like my close friends. Yeah. But I don't know. I definitely never remember feeling embarrassed by them and mm -hmm. I think it was just because I felt like I had other people doing it alongside of me mm. which was different than like when yeah. I started making my own stuff and it was just me as an individual. Was um, band taking up most of your time or what were you doing after school? I just did homework after school yeah. <laughs> and played dodgeball and foursquare and all those things that little kids do but um, band didn't feel like it took up a lot of time and I don't know if I, I just definitely didn't place as much emphasis on it as I think I do now mm. in terms of what it did for me, but 
Yeah, I don't know. I remember I loved it a lot. I just didn't think of myself as a, a singer, so I guess I didn't think too much about it in the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you remember your first songs getting more attention? I remember when 1-800-DATE-ME, the song about being lonely and single on Valentine's mm -hmm. Day, I like woke up and my phone had more notifications than it normally did. Yeah. And I went to SoundCloud and I saw it had like 200 likes within the night yeah. before I posted it. And I was like, in my mind, I was like, oh my God. You made it. This is amazing. <laughs> and I can't believe that people are actually genuinely liking this thing that I wrote in, you know, 10 minutes and posted it as a joke. And I definitely didn't think anybody else was going to see it. And I think that moment was just like so revelatory to me to be feel like people would actually pay attention to the original mm -hmm. content that I was posting. You know where those people came from? I have no idea yeah. where those people came from. I, I assume that I get lucky with algorithms a lot when I was yeah. like in the early days. But I think, you know, if people like something, they tend to share it. And even if it's people with smaller followings, it can yeah. accumulate, yeah. Did you ever try sending your songs to blogs back then? Or was just like, no. no. <laughs> I never actively yeah. tried to promote my music because the idea of people finding it was horrifying to uh, me. Like yeah. I, I, if you told me literally three years ago that I was gonna be a musician, I would laugh at you and be like, there's no way that's actually gonna happen. And also let me delete all of my stuff <laughs> online because I don't want people to find it. So this is the, this is the weirdest case scenario I've ever had. Yeah, I, I, just, <laughs> I just never expected it. Yeah. <laughs> and did you already go by MXM Tune by then? Yeah, yeah. I, I made the username MXM Tune when I was 11, and I was yeah. doing visual arts on Instagram. Oh. Um, my dad helped make it. He was like, use your initials, and then add O-O-N at the end for like Maya's cartoons, essentially. Yeah. And um, I used it for everything, including SoundCloud, and then when people found 1-800-DATE-ME, that was my name, and yeah. then it was for a while, and since then, I've just, it's been too late for me to change it, so. <laughs> Do you want to change it? No, not at all. Yeah, I, like I think it's story. so cute. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely hard to say, but it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and when did your parents find your music online or videos? Um, I think it was fall of 2017 that I had to tell them because I woke up, checked my social media feeds as a, a modern internet teen does. And I went to Twitter and I saw that I was tagged in a Hype Beast article. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god. So I checked it and my, my mind was totally blown. I was super excited. My second immediate thought was, oh my god, this is because this is such a big company and an outlet, someone is gonna tell my parents before I get the chance to tell my parents. And so it took me like a couple of days, I think, to get the courage to go out into the kitchen and tell them. And, and that was when I broke the news and they like did the deep dive Google searches on oh who God. I was online. And it, it was, was like watching you it was them. So, it was so scary. I literally had to leave the room whenever they put on a video that I made or like a song that I made and yeah. everything. I was too mortified. <laughs> yeah. What was their reaction? They, I think initially were like terrified. I grew up in a household where being on the internet, minimizing your internet footprint was something that my parents really prided ourselves on. Yeah, because like they're in education, yeah, it's kind exactly. of like colleges finding your stuff. Well, exactly, like if you're a teacher, one of the main things you talk about with, especially students nowadays, is keeping children safe online. Oh yeah. And so to have this daughter who all of a sudden has this gigantic personality available on Google with thousands of Google search results, I'm sure that was like absolutely terrifying. But I had done a really good job at protecting who I was and my identity and I think they just became really supportive and understood that I had like some competency to, to make sure I was taking care of myself online. Mm -hmm. yeah. And when was the turning point that you realized that you could make it your career? Oh man, I think when I was, I applied to colleges in my senior year of high school and I, I thought I was going to go to college and I think after a month of having my admittance and also declined letters of, of exception or rejection, 
Um, I decided I wanted to take a gap year on music, but I don't think that that gap year or the decision to focus on music really made sense until I, I got management. And mm. I think that was the moment that I felt like it was a legit job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. And what made you want to study architecture initially? I had done architecture for three years in high school, and mm. I think in my mind that was the best thing that I could do at the time. Like, because I had done it for three years, it made sense for me to keep doing it for more years. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like I would have just switched out and then figured out how to do like a general teaching degree or something. Oh, yeah. you, see, you, you I, still saw yourself as I as definitely yeah. still saw myself as a teacher. I think it's funny because I probably would have ended up being a music teacher if I oh, yeah. if I didn't end up being the musician. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what was your parents' reaction when you told them that you wanted to gap year that, okay, this is my, oh my career? Gosh. I think, well, you know, they're teachers. So they yeah. were like at first very initially worried, but at that point, I think I had done enough work within the music industry on my own for them to feel okay about me doing it, but under the terms that I was going to apply to colleges again and go after a year of attempting the music stuff. So mm -hmm. when I kind of the acceptance or when the deadline for college essays came and went again, I had like really picked up on doing music stuff and I think from then on and now especially they've just been really supportive so mm -hmm. it's been really great and I'm very lucky yeah. but it is funny it's just totally opposite of anything that they probably could have expected. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so how did your management find you? They reached out to me actually I was I had my business email located on my SoundCloud page and I got this email one day from my now managers that were saying hey we really like your music and we'd love to talk with you um, can you give us a call? And I said, yeah, sure, because at that point I needed to find management. I like didn't understand how to answer these emails from these big, big record executives and anything. Also big record labels. Yeah, were, like, they all were reaching already reaching out to me oh, and wow. I was like terrified because, you know, I'm, I was a 17-year-old kid who had no familiarity with the music industry and my dad and I were doing Google searches to try and understand the, what they were talking about and <laughs> what the world even looked like and management was something that was really necessary for mm -hmm. us to navigate that and so I called my managers and I didn't really know how to feel when I had that conversation over the phone but mm -hmm. then I got this text that was like hey we want to fly out to San Francisco to meet you and your family and I was like mm -hmm. okay as long as I'm not paying for it yeah and so they flew out and I met them and since then I've, I've worked with them yeah mm -hmm. but they're great yeah. I love them yeah <laughs> and when did it occur to you to start putting stuff up on TikTok Oh, okay. So this was a conversation I had with my manager initially where he said, hey, so how do you feel about being on TikTok? And I said, there's no way. There's no way I will be on TikTok because I thought it was like an app for little kids. And then I downloaded it. And then I feel like this happens to everyone. But then I kept watching videos for like hours and hours on end. Yeah. And I decided that, hey, I could probably do that. Let me just make an account. And then I realized I had a Musical.ly account from 2015. And when they bought Musical.ly, the accounts transferred over I guess oh, okay. so I already had MXM Tune as a username on yeah. this app and I just started posting in November of last year but um initially didn't want to at all yeah mm -hmm. but you're so cute on there now <laughs> it comes so naturally oh my god I definitely have a lot of fun with it and I was on Vine when Vine was a thing and I feel like I posted a lot of content like the way that I posted on TikTok now what were your inspirations for your album the inspiration for my album, it was mainly like making a narrative piece that I feel like kind of encompassed a lot of the experiences that have shaped who I am as an individual. Mm -hmm. So if you were to listen to it from like start to finish, I feel like you get a really good sense of who I am um, without having to talk to me or anything. And then hopefully providing songs for people who are also going through similar experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
What kind of what kind of advice do you have for people who are going through anxiety? Oh man, I'm definitely I'm not a I'm not a master at, at dealing with it at all. Mm -hmm. But I would say to know that it comes in waves, and that might be tough to hear because it's not an end. There's no end in sight, but mm -hmm. it's a manageable thing that I think. <laughs> Goal. It's a manageable thing that I think becomes easier over time and also is something that a lot of people deal with. So you're not alone in what you're going through and I think mm -hmm. that was the biggest lesson that I had to learn was that even though I think anxiety can feel so isolating and most of the time the person right next to you is also going through it. But yeah, just knowing that. Mm -hmm. And when did you decide to come out? I came out... <laughs> I think it was fall of 2017 too. I came out about a lot of things yes. in fall of 2017. I like decided to come out because it felt like this big secret again that I like mm. needed to tell my parents. And um, but I covered it by crying. And, and my parents were like, "What's wrong? Because you're acting really weird." And I was yeah. trying to figure out the right way to tell them. Yeah. Because I mean, how are you supposed to? There's no guidebook on how to do yeah. it. And I was, I like started crying and my mom was like, what's wrong? And I was like, the SAT is just really stressful. And I'm like not excited about a standardized test <laughs> for college admittance. And, and then she was like, that doesn't feel like that would be the problem here. Cause usually like you're fine dealing with that. And I was like, okay, I need to tell you something. And then I told them and they were totally accepting and loving, but it was terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were they surprised or? No, not at all. Yeah. yeah. They were not <laughs> surprised. It was like the most, my mom just goes, okay and I was like is that really all maybe I was expecting a bigger reaction but it was one of the most underwhelming reactions I feel like a parent could have but in the most heartwarming way possible mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah did your, yeah. Mm -hmm. did your friends all know by that point or um I think my close friends knew but it wasn't it's never been something that I feel like I actively talk about all the mm -hmm. time just because I don't feel like it's a super big part of my identity you know it's part of my identity regardless and I don't know, I told people if they asked, but I didn't feel like it was something that I needed to explain all the time, mm -hmm. yeah. How did you meet Cave Town? I listened to Robbie's music because my dad introduced me to his music in the car when I came home from school one day. And I was like, who, oh, he's like another teenager making music out of his bedroom, that's cool. And yeah. I listened to his music, and then when the prospects of doing an album came up, a producer was in the conversation, and Robin's name came up as a possible producer, and I was like, in an ideal world, that would be awesome if I could mm -hmm. work with Robin because he understands the world that I exist in right now compared to like a 40-year-old white dude who's been in the industry for a really long time and then doesn't quite understand the, gener the journey that I've had so far. So I was excited about the prospects of working with Robin and then we did. So that was yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say have been the biggest challenges in your life so far? I think navigating... The music industry as a young person is really challenging, but also something that I relish in. Mm -hmm. I like challenges and I like being uncomfortable and, and making myself a better person and taking on big tasks and that's this yeah. is definitely one of them. <laughs> um, but it's been really hard because, I mean, you know, I'm a teenager who's supposed to be in the public sphere essentially now, still navigating and understanding her own identity, but with a lot of eyes on Mm -hmm. And so that's that's been tough, yeah. but I think I can do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what does love mean to you? Oh man, that's a big question. <laughs> um, what does love mean to me? Oh gosh, I feel like I'm you know I'm, I'm 19. What do I know? But um, <laughs> I think from my understanding of love, 
it's accepting all the parts of someone regardless and appreciating the little things mm. I think is the main yeah. thing yeah I, I love that <laughs> yeah <laughs> last question what do you want to be remembered for what do I want to be remembered for my main goal in life has always been to leave a positive impact on people's lives mm. and I think the thing that I've been the most proud of of myself and what I've done with my work in music has been voicing the experiences of people who might not always have the vocabulary mm -hmm. for it yeah. or know exactly what they're going through and for me to give a narrative to what that is. Um, so I don't know, I'd like to be remembered for making music that people feel is honest and mm -hmm. representative of who they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. This is so much yeah. fun. Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. <laughs>